This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barik ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. So alhamdulillah rabbil ameen. Sheikh Yasser was so good last night that we we brought him back uh, for a back-to-back <coughs> doubleheader like Boston sports teams, you know, just bring him back. Ya salam. Twice in a row, alhamdulillah rabbil ameen, to be with us again. Uh, but really shared some beautiful words <clears throat> that, alhamdulillah, were, were helpful, really, even in the Ibad al-Rahman uh, discussion at night, thinking about how we interact with the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make the most of them. So we're very glad to be back, Shaykh Yasser, uh, and we hope, inshallah ta'ala, it'll be a regular uh, occurrence with the Nahi ta'ala. Inshallah ta'ala, we have a lot to cover tonight. Uh, Shaykh Yasser said this is a heavy uh, juz and indeed, subhanAllah, it's a heavy, heavy juz. Uh, there's so much for us to glean from this. And subhanAllah, what particularly makes this hard uh, is that there are sections of this juz that are not necessarily interconnected, but they're some of personally my favorite um, clusters of ayat in the Quran. And so it starts off with Surah Al Ahqaf. And uh, yesterday we were talking about the switch from the Meccan to the Medini tone. And Sheikh Yasser made the point to say, look, this was revealed in the time of mid-Mecca, the surahs that we covered yesterday, where they're being warned, they're being given a chance, and they're being called back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so there's a lot of emphasis on the beauty of the Qur'an and uh, helping us see through the lens of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu walking in Mecca and connecting to the signs and the constant affirmation of this being a clear book of guidance and that the one who succeeds is the one who follows rightful guidance and the one who fails is the one who rejects it. SubhanAllah, the scene then shifts now to Surah Al-Ahqaf. Remembering the brother of Ad uh, as, he, as he reminded, as Hud Islam reminded his people one last time, called them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there were prophets and warnings that came before in those same places. And some of the scholars, they said that when Allah talks about Ad, it has a special significance to the Meccans, right? Because this is in the area uh, of, of their region. And so they understand that this is something that happened not far away, that these are people that were similar to them in more ways than one. And so the imagery of, of, uh, of the prophets standing and speaking to his people, speaking to Ad, and they are full of arrogance because of their accomplishments and warning them one more time of something that would come their way uh, if they continue to, to, to act in the way that they were acting is very similar to the Prophet Sallallahu giving his last warning to the people in Mecca uh, before Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala would make a way out for him. And the people were so, uh, were, were so arrogant that despite their disbelief and their arrogance and their oppression, Anything that happened uh, in their lives or around them, instead of taking those signs that Sheikh Yasser was talking about last night, where you know you see the signs and they bring you closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, Subhanallah, Sanurihim Ayatim Bil Athaq, we're going to show them our signs in the horizons. What happened to them? Subhanallah, I'm paraphrasing and summarizing. But these people saw the clouds forming in the skies and they said, this must be bringing us rain. They didn't attribute it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They attributed a natural consequence of blessing that would come to them. 
because of a strength and a position of favor that they did nothing to earn for themselves. But instead of reflecting on the clouds and the formation of rain and the blessing of rain, they said, this is going to come to us and bring us rain because this is who we are and we deserve this. But instead, this is what you hasten towards. And remember in the previous verses, the previous chapters, uh, don't hasten towards the decree and the punishment of Allah. Stop provoking and testing your prophet who's trying to call you to good and pushing them and saying, go ahead and bring the punishment. Go ahead and bring the punishment. And so that's the warning that comes to them and the punishment comes to them. And subhanAllah, one of the, um, the profound sections in Surah Al-Ahqaf, and again, it's, it's, it, it's kind of connected, but it's connected in a micro way because remember there's coherence between the community and the family is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the right of the mother, the right of the parents. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah mentioning the favor of the parents and a family that all comes together around the premise of belief. And as they all come together around the premise of belief, they are blessed in that belief. They come to a recognition of the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon them. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards them. We reward them for their genuine, sincere supplications and they're coming together around the blessing of faith. So Allah talks about the blessed family, which uh, many of the scholars say this is referring to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu and his family because he is the only one whose entire family, parents, uh, spouse, children, all became Muslim, all accepted Islam in his lifetime and became companions. Uh, of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But then what does Allah give us right after that? Allah gives us the example. The disobedient child whose parents are trying to call them to faith. And they say, uh, lakuma. You know, they, 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 they curse back at them. They scoff at their own parents. You know, are you, are you warning me? Are you telling me bad things are going to happen to me? when others have passed before me. And subhanAllah, it's a heartbreaking scene because anyone that's an imam, uh, I'm sure Sheikh Yasser and Sheikh Abdullah have both seen many of these, this sign. Anytime I read this ayah, about a hundred images flash before my eyes. The parents that are begging and saying, please believe, right? They're not asking for favor for themselves. They're asking out of fear for their children. Believe, don't do this to yourself. Don't ruin your life. Listen. The same hub, the same love that the Prophet has for their people when they call to their people and say, Waylaka Amin, here you have parents calling upon their children and saying, Waylaka Amin, believe in Nawa'adullahi Haq, that this is the, the promise of Allah, it's the truth. And we want good for you. And here you have rejection once again. And so, both at the community level and at the family level, Allah talks about the arrogance of those who reject those who love them and are trying to, to help, help them see the error of their ways and the importance of guidance. What comes after Al-Ahqaf comes Surah Muhammad, also known as Surah Al-Qital, SubhanAllah. So after the warning comes, you know, the, the battle. And Surah Muhammad gives us now this image of the people taking the pledge with the Prophet Wasallam and Bay'atul Ridwan, the people who have already been persecuted, who have already been run out of their, their land, already been humiliated, and now they have heard that Uthman ibn Affan anhu, was killed and they have taken a pledge with the Prophet under the tree 
to go with the Prophet Sallallahu uh, the pledge of death, right? Because it was fully expected that they would be killed in defense of their brother who was wronged and killed and in going forth towards Mecca after they have been run out of it. So subhanAllah, you have here a group of people that are willing to make all the sacrifices necessary. And what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about these people is that he's pleased with these people. Okay? anhum. Allah is pleased with those people. They got the full reward of their sacrifice. Now I'm going to contrast quickly. You have these people, and then you have another group of people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, If you turn away, then Allah does not need you. Allah will replace you with a better people. So on one hand, you have a group of people that were willing to do everything, but Allah protected them from the ultimate consequence of that, which would have been to be killed, which they were willing to do for the sake of Allah. And then you have another group of people that hold back on their wealth, hold back on their sacrifice because they're afraid of losing out on this world and they end up losing out in this world and the next. And what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take us into? What comes after the warning comes al-qital, the battle. What comes after the battle is al-fatih, is the opening. Surah al-fatih, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the great conquest, but this was not the type of conquest that they had in mind. The Fath was the treaty of Hudaybiyah that opened the way for the Muslims to be able to openly call to Islam. And when the hindrances, when the persecution was removed, then the beauty of the da'wah took root. And so it was a Fath, it was the greatest conquest, even though it was not bloodshed and swords. It opened the way. And you have to remember that many of the Muslims were hesitant to... Uh, uh, to take part in the Treaty of Hudaybiyah and to turn back around to Medina. Imagine, they have spent all these years dreaming about the moment they go back to Mecca after persecution, and now they're being told to go back. And subhanAllah, what ends up happening? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala paves the way for them without the bloodshed, and Allah Azawajal shows the beauty of, the, uh, of divine revelation and the prophetic patience of the Prophet ﷺ, the wisdom of Umm Salama radiallahu anha, guiding the Prophet or, or giving advice, wise counsel to the Prophet on how to move people that were hurt by not being able to go forth to Mecca that year and Allah paving the way for them for the next year. The next surah, Surah Al-Hujurat, وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ فِيكُمْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ لَوْ يُطِيعُكُمْ فِي كَثِيرٍ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ لَعَنِتُمْ Know that you have amongst you the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You have amongst you the carrier of divine revelation, if he was to follow you in a lot of what you wanted to follow, it would not be to your favor. It would actually be against you. And so putting your trust in Allah and your unconditional obedience to Allah through the Prophet ﷺ and knowing that goodness comes through following divine mandate is what's being told here. And then we have Surah Qaf and Surah Al-Dhariyat, which go back to the Meccan Surahs, the theme of, of warning us on an individual level about the reality of death and the awakening we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us amongst those that listen to timely reminders and that respond in timely fashion with sincerity. Allahumma ameen. And I'll hand it off to Sheikh Abdullah, inshallah. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala rabbi shrahi sadri wa yasirli amri wa ahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahun qawli ya rabbil alameen. As he mentioned, uh, inshallah, we are going to be covering uh, the, some of the verses in Hajarat the breadth of how he was, you know, speaking about the Prophet ﷺ, that if he was to obey you all in all of your wishes, it would be difficult upon you, which brings forth a very important principle of leadership, that you as a leader, you as a father, you as a, 
a manager or, or mother with, of, of people that you are responsible for, there is a level of leadership to where you have to make decisions that will not please everyone. And we saw this with Sulh Hudaybiyah, as you mentioned, in the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. Some of the decisions that were made, some of the companions, it was, they were perplexed by what was going on. But a lot, the Prophet ﷺ was fulfilling something much greater than what many of their desires may have entailed. But it was, it was the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he was fulfilling, therefore being a prophet. In any case, the next verses that come up are verses that are very, very beautiful for many of us, especially in this month of Ramadan, which serves as, inshallah, a month of transformation. Transformation of one attribute that we may be trying to refine, replenish, uh, bring forth in order to maintain in the future 11 months, inshallah. Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, he said that right after mentioning that if the Prophet ﷺ was to obey you, it would be difficult upon you. He said, Allah Allah made uh, uh, iman and belief and conviction even. Something that was beautiful to you. Something beloved to you. And he beautified it in your heart. Let's just stop here for a moment. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives someone the blessing of knowing who God is, recognizing his greatness, recognizing the different qualities that he possesses, and understanding that every quality is endless and it is by default perfect, does not have any deficiencies this demands from them a, re, a, a response, therefore increasing that relationship. But initially, when one recognizes that, whether they convert, revert to Islam, or someone that is trying to change their life and come closer to God, that is the habyani. Allah made the iman something beloved to them. When we're talking about the iman, the iman comes from that word is just a, a word of security or safety. To where when you exemplify the actions of Iman, it is as though you are retreating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you may have made a mistake. But doing the actions of Iman is something that you love. It is an action that you love. When you see an action of Iman, it is beloved to you. And that is what is beautiful here because obeying the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Something may come in Islam, you may, have hear, you may hear of a, a ruling or some type of guideline within Islam. You subconsciously know that it is a means of guidance and a means of spiritual rejuvenation for you. But sometimes our nafs may not want to do it. But what can overpower that on a general scale is the love of Islam that we have. The love of being a Muslim, the love of recognizing that, wow, subhanAllah, because I see this sharia, I see that, for instance, I have to pray five times a day. When I walk in the mosque and I see someone making sujood, how do you feel? Is it something that's beloved to you? Is the fact of being chased beloved to you? These actions of iman is a form of security from that which could be detrimental to you. But not only that, the action is beloved to you, and it's also a beautiful thing to you. That action is a beautiful thing. When you see someone practice the sunnah of the Prophet, it is beautiful. When you see someone 
do an action of goodness, and you know they're doing it because the Prophet ﷺ did it. The, that whole concept is a beautiful concept. Why? Because you know who the Messenger of Allah ﷺ is. You value him to a high degree. You hold him at a high level. Your standards of you practicing the religion is based on love of the messenger and more than that, the beauty of the message. That's something that takes practice. That's something that takes quote unquote trial and error. You're going to make mistakes. But when you make the mistake, what do you value? Yani, meaning what do you turn back to? You're going to turn back to that which you love and more than that, that which is so beautiful to you. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions after that, وَكَرَّهَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْكُفْرَ وَالْفُسُوقَ وَالْعِسْيَانِ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and he has made that which is disliked to you, الْكُفْرَ uh, Disbelief, وَالْفُسُوقَ And disobedience, وَالْعِسْيَانِ And that which is of sinful practices and sinful actions. So here you notice here, subhanAllah, that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that he made the kufr, the disbelief, the lack of recognition, the lack of gratitude and recognizing that God is my maker and God is my sustainer and creator and all of his attributes that are beautiful and perfect. When you see someone that does not acknowledge that or you see the action of lack of acknowledgement of gratitude or of acknowledgement of their creator, it's something that is disliked to you. To the degree that when you see a sinful practice, when you see, you know, a certain group of people do something that is disobedient to Allah, and it shows lack of gratitude to their creator, when they use their own faculties that have been given to them temporarily, like we're renting our own faculties, subhanAllah, when you see that, it is something that is, it is, it is not something that's beloved to you. You don't like seeing that does not mean that you dislike and hate the person, but the act in and of itself is something that is not beloved to you. Because there's no way that you can have the actions of Iman, such as prayer and recognition of God, and praying to God and asking him for his bounties, that cannot exist with, with, with love of the actions that show disobedience to God, that show lack of morality, voluntary lack of morality leaving off etiquettes voluntarily to fulfill some inner motive. That is something that cannot exist together. And that's what's so beautiful about it because Allah is ultimately in control of this. He made this dislike to you. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he continues on, he says, And that is a virtue from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a blessing. As some scholars mentioned, that is an addition. So Allah giving you this is an additional blessing that he has made this something in your heart. But it requires the effort from you as a human being that wants to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why we mentioned this month because, you know, you, we find this month universally from, from those that are Muslim. But, you know, throughout those 11 months, they may have been negligent. This is when they say, I've been negligent. Taking the opportunity to look in the mirror at yourself and see where you've made those mistakes. And lastly, the beauty of the connection between actions of Iman is such a beautiful concept. You know, the concept of tawfiq, of being successful, giving, being given that success from Allah is when one makes the effort. 
when one strives to do the actions of Iman, when one tries to pray and they haven't prayed for so many years or they're trying to add on an additional prayer, when they do that, it may have been difficult, but the fact that you do that for the sake of Allah, meaning you do it because Allah loves it, this is when he'll place something in your heart, that love of Iman, the love of the actions of Iman, the love of the people of Iman, to where the more that you do it, you taste what is called the sweetness, the sweetness of Iman. And that's what's so beautiful, that the love and the sweetness and the taste of, of, of faith or the taste of dependency on Allah, when you find yourself dependent on other than Allah, this is something disliked to you. As the Prophet said, do not leave me to think that I have control over my affairs for the time span of the blinking of an eye. Whenever you hear someone praise themselves and not praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's something that's disliked to you. Turning to Allah and recognizing the greatness of Iman and the fadl, the blessing of Iman, the ni'mah that he has given you, when just thinking about that, it pushes you to do another action of Iman from either saying Jazakallah khair or saying Alhamdulillah, all praises due to Allah or praying in the middle of the night. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those that do the actions of Iman and the more actions of Iman to bless us with the sweetness of Iman in our hearts. Innahu waliyu dhalika. Jazakallah khair. Barakallah fiqh, Shaykh Abdullah. Shaykh Yasser, what are some connections that you can do to bring it all back for us, inshallah ta'ala? Barakallah fiqhum. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. I want to frame my comments with the backdrop of the seat of the Prophet And there's a very beautiful story that's being told in this particular juz of the Quran because it, it, it operates once again in a very beautiful sequential fashion. Surah Muhammad is revealed at a very particular point, which is very late Medinan, very early Meccan, most likely before the battles of Badr, etc., and as, as was noted uh, earlier, that Surah Muhammad is a very stark surah. And you notice that the, the name of the surah is Muhammad for a reason. Because Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he becomes a critical demarcation. A point of either one people are going to go in one direction or the other. So throughout Surah Muhammad, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he begins in a very stark fashion. الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَصَدُّوا عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ أَضَلَّ أَعْمَالَهُمْ Those who disbelieve and those who, you know, bar others from the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will render their actions null and void. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَآمَنُوا بِمَا نُزِّلَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدُ وَهُوَ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ And those who believe and those who do righteous deeds and they believe in the truth that was sent down upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam we will expiate their sins and we will put them all in a very good state so here allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah muhammad you know after the previous hawamim which were suar to really soothe and spiritually orient and theologically fortify and make things feel like you know what here in the meccan period we've been going through a lot we're not going to doubt our religion. We're not going to doubt what we're upon. We're on the way of Muhammad sallallahu So it really puts you in a settled state. But now when you transition into the Medinan reality, there's a whole other set of orientations, right? That certainly extend from the Meccan period, but that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is introducing to say, hey, listen, you're entering into a whole new phase. 
And to really negotiate this phase, which is the Medinan phase, and it's the Medinan phase, which is the phase of expansion and growth, and you see how Islam extends far beyond, you're going to have to make sure that there are certain pillars that are clearly fortified. And the first one is, are you truly committed to the way of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam? Because the entire surah is talking about actions. Those whose actions are null and void, and those whose actions are accepted and virtuous. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَآمَنُوا بِمَا نُزِّلَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدِ Right, etc. وَهُوَ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا اتَّبَعُوا الْبَاطِلِ Those who disbelieved, they followed falsehood. And those who believed, they followed the truth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala culminates all of this into one particular verse, which is the end of the chapter, towards the end of the chapter. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَطِيعُوا اللَّهُ وَأَطِيعُوا الرَّسُولُ وَلَا تُبْطِلُوا أَعْمَالَكُمْ O you who believe, obey Allah and obey His Messenger and do not render your actions null and void. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِن تَنْصُرُوا اللَّهَ يَنْصُرُكُمْ وَيُثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَكُمْ Imagine these verses being revealed right after the Meccan period. It's like, you know, I can only imagine how the companions were processing this. Very intense, like, follow your prophet, listen to him. Perhaps they're thinking to themselves like, you know, aren't we doing that already? <laughs> you know, are we following? Look at all we've been through. But Allah is emphasizing this. I'm, if you bring victory to me and you bring victory to Muhammad, I will make your feet steadfast and firm. Because what comes after this is the pinnacle, is the peak. If you look at the arc of the story, the beginning is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Allah is making this very clear distinction. How committed to the truth you are. Are you unequivocally committed to Muhammad or not? Because at the time of the Fath, as Sheikh Omar was indicating, it was a very difficult time. It was such a complex period, that period of Hudaybiyah. It was so complex that you had the greatest of companions, the likes of Sayyiduna Omar, completely uncomfortable with the treaty, completely uncomfortable with it. They were leaving Mecca. Now, now Fath, Surah Fath comes you know, mid-Medinan period, right? Around the time of, of the Fath, obviously. So they had already been through Ghazwat uh, Badr and Ghazwat Uhud and all those early Ghazawat, Khandaq, etc. Now they're reading, reaching the middle point. And so they, they have a, a level of wind beneath their wings. They're going towards Mecca. We're, we're going to go. We're going to make Umrah. We're going we're to take back what's ours, really. And what are they met with? This treaty complete curveball, complete and utter curveball. And who, who is pushing this treaty? Who is the one driving this treaty? The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with the, you know, the, the other side. And so you see the, the stark example or the, that image of Sayyiduna Ali writing. And then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he writes Muhammadun Rasulullah. And so the other side says, we don't, we, don't, we don't accept him as a messenger of Allah. Erase that. So he said, of course, I'm not going to erase that. So the Prophet tells him, erase it. He says, no, Ya Rasulullah, I can't erase it. The Prophet says, show me where it is and I'll erase it. Because he was illiterate, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That's how intense, Sayyiduna Ali, you know, Sayyiduna Umar saying, Ya Rasulullah, alasna ala al-haq. You know, are we not upon the truth here? What are you asking us to do? This is very difficult. This is very confusing right now. What are you asking us to do? Alasna, by the way, Sayyidina Umar was so confused. You know, he was going to Sayyidina Abu Bakr. He said, said, he said this, these things, Sayyidina Muhammad. Alasna ala haq. 
you know, why do we accept this degraded, you know, this degradation when it comes to our religion? Are we not upon the truth? You know, didn't you say that our, those of us who die are in Jannah and those of them who die are in Jahannam, didn't you say this? And he said, naam. And he went the same, he said the same thing, Sayyidina Abu Bakr, right? So the, 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 the moral here and the real critical lesson is this, is that, see, the pinnacle of the story, the peak, which is the fatahna fatahna laka fathan mubina, we are going to open you a profound, a manifest opening, right? And truly, what happened thereafter was the beginning of a profound expansion. None of the companions truly appreciated, right? Sayyidina Abu Bakr surrendered because he is a sadiq. He just believed in the Prophet ﷺ. He followed suit. But to the extent that when the Prophet ﷺ was telling them, now you have to slaughter and shave your heads, they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do it. So you see the relevance of Surah Muhammad. The relevance of Surah Muhammad is, Allah wa Ati'ur Rasul. Obey Allah and obey His Messenger. You know, if you bring victory to Allah and His Messenger, Allah will make your feet steadfast. Because see, there is a question that we all have to pose to ourselves regularly. Really, how committed am I to this truth? Is it an unequivocal commitment or not? Or is it as Allah, you know, the Allah notes, سَنُطِيعُكُمْ فِي بَعْضِ الْأَمْرِ This is in Surah Muhammad, that we're going to believe in you, but in some of the matters. You know, we'll take some of it, but not necessarily all of it. And that's a very subtle point that we have to be careful about. Because if we want the fatah, if we want it, then the, then the commitment has to be unequivocal. And so the Prophet ﷺ, they don't want to shave their heads. They, they don't want to slaughter. He goes to his beautiful wife, Umm Salama. What do I do? You know, what, what's going on? You know, he himself, ﷺ, it was, it was such a difficult period. And it's such a difficult period. And it's a nuanced challenge, very different from the Meccan challenges. This is now like, you know, statehood and all sorts of other realities, very complex in their nature. And she says to him, go out, shave your head and slaughter and they'll follow. And he does sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and they follow. And, and then, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals the verses of fatah there. And, you know, and then لَتَدْخُلُنَّا You'll go in and so on and so forth. You will, you will find the joys. You will enter into the sacred sanctuaries, etc. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I know I need to close inshallah, but then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings us Surah Al-Hujurat. And Surah Al-Hujurat is an integral part of the story. Right? You have pre-fatah, which is unequivocal commitment. Then you have Fatah, which is, you know, the culmination of that moment. Really hold on tight to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. No matter how much what he's asking you to do is counterintuitive and really rubs up against your sensibilities, hold on to him. Hold on to him because that's where you're going to find your victory. And then Surah Al-Hujurat comes in and it has all of these beautiful akhlaqiyat. These morals, these etiquettes, these ethics, these adab that we are expected to follow. And fundamentally, who are we expected to follow these adab with? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You know, لا ترفعوا أصواتكم فوق صوت النبي. Don't raise your voice in the face of the Prophet sallallahu This is your Prophet. Haven't you seen what he's gone through? Don't you see how I have revealed to him that when all of you doubted him, when you doubted what he was doing, I made his feet firm and I rabattu ala qalbihi and he brought you to the promised land. Now when the Prophet is talking to you, have adab. You know, brothers and sisters, this is so relevant to us when we're reading the Quran and Sunnah. A lot of times when we're reading the Quran and Sunnah, our sensibilities get excited. Oh, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with that ayah. I'm very uncomfortable with hadith. It's okay to find a little discomfort. But if I start mouthing 
off against Allah and against his messenger about how this is that and this is that and this is antiquated and this is you know from, from previous generations and I don't know what else لا ترفعوا have adab look at this adab you know if someone comes to run their mouth in your ear someone tells you something right be careful these adab are going to be categorically integral to what? to the sustainability to the growth and to the maintenance of the Muhammadan harmony and the Muhammadan community because the ummah is going to expand far and wide. That small monolithic community that you had in Mecca is no longer going to be. Now you're going to have a very complex ummah with people coming from all walks of life, speaking different languages, different cultures, different realities. And so the propensity and the possibility of confusion and discord and disharmony is very real. So to preserve this fatah, to preserve it, to nurture it and to grow it, you have to maintain these adab. If, a, if someone comes to you saying something, if you haven't gone to the source and verified it, you know, then stop. You have to verify. On the, online today, what do we see? Person X attacks person Y. Person Y gets attacked, and then you have those who just jump on the person X bandwagon or jump on the person Y bandwagon, and no one is actually trying to figure out what the truth is. Everyone's taking you know, just aqwal, just yastariquuna, just small stage from here, from there, something that conforms to my sensibilities and I follow it. That's a disaster that corrodes and it pollutes. And the Prophet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says thereafter, you know, innama al-mu'minuna ikhwa, you are brothers, fa'aslihu. What should be between you is one of sulh. Ya yuhalladheena amanu, la yaskhal qawman min qawm. Don't mock each other. Don't insult each other. You notice how this is, this is what preserves harmony. This is what preserves unity. Don't mock each other. Perhaps some of them, perhaps others are better than, than you. Ya amanu. Stay away from a lot of assumptions, a lot of false assumptions. Truly, dhan, right, is, is, is some of the worst type of sinfulness because it, it corrodes, right, and it dissolves the beauty and the unity. So brothers and sisters, Allah closes off, you know, these, you know, uh, beautiful adab by saying, we have created you. This famous verse, The spirit of, of this creation and the reason you see the ikhtilaf that you see amongst the nations, right? The reason you see the ikhtilaf. You know, Prophet ﷺ, the surah is hujurat, rooms. Prophet ﷺ used to have one room, Sayyidah Khadija. Now he has <laughs> many rooms. There's ikhtilaf, there's differences. You're going to have to maintain different spirits with different people. Everyone has a different way of operating. But the re these differences are for reasons. So you can come to know one another. Brothers and sisters, it's, it's, it's very simple. You have the Muhammad, the Surah of Muhammad, which is the unequivocal commitment to this sacred tradition. And then you have the Adab and the Akhlaq, right? The beautiful characteristics and the ethics that maintain and harmonize. What we see today is that there are those who maintain, the, who, 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 who claim to maintain this. I am on the haq, right? And they're unequivocal about their commitment to the haq, but they lack all of the guidance of this adab that maintains the harmony. So you see so many people upon the quote unquote haq creating the most amount of disunity and the most amount of disharmony. And then on the other side, you have those who say, well, I'm a good person and I'm nice and are harmonious. But what is your commitment to the haq? What is your commitment to the truth? You can't have one without the others, brothers and sisters. And both of them 
are what bring about al-fath al-mubin, the manifest opening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq to appreciate mm. these beautiful verses of the Qur'an, to harmonize with them, to internalize them, and to allow them to become the lived reality within our hearts and minds and within mm. our communities and upon in this ummah. Barakallahu feekum wa jazakumullah khair. Absolutely beautiful. Um, I know we took long tonight, uh, so please forgive us. But as you can see, it's a lot to cover. And uh, I just want to clarify, I made a mistake, actually. So, Muhammad, where Allah talks about, um, you know, being firm upon the truth and Allah will support you when you're firm on the truth. And subhanAllah, then Allah subhanahu is saying that those who hate that which Allah revealed, or that the, the crime of the disbelievers is they hate that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed. And then the next surah is Bay'atul Ridwan uh, and, and the Bay'ah of the Fatah, uh, the conquest that comes with that commitment. So the commitment comes to truth, then accept the way the truth is revealed. And so you, it's not just recklessness and uh, I want to do what I want to do. It's I want to do what Muhammad uh, does and what Allah wants me to do, which is manifested most in who Muhammad is in our personal affairs, in our community affairs, in our affairs of war and peace and everything. I want to be like Muhammad and be committed to Muhammad and in the process be committed to Allah. So, Zakallah khair for the beautiful reflection, Sheikh Yasser, Sheikh Abdullah. And inshallah, I will see you all tonight for Ibadul Rahman at 2 a.m. Eastern. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.